0: It's the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast, coming in three, two, one. Astronomy Cast, Episode 569 The Ethics of Commercial and Military Space, Part One Private Space Flight. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane, publisher of Universe Today. With me, as always, is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? Great. Uh, once again, the weather's just getting better and better. The apocalypse has never looked so lovely. <laughs> uh, my my garden is getting out of control. It's the Chief sentience. It is now in control, and is uh, I've got we've got to cut it back. There's just too many plants, too much grass, too much weeds. Yeah, I got I got many weeks ahead of me at this point out in the garden.
1: The day of the Triffids is trying to be upon you. Yeah,
0: exactly. <sighs> Every year, more and more people are making their way to space. Some private citizens have already gotten their astronaut wings, paying for a trip. To space out of their own pocket. What are the ethical implications of this as the costs of spaceflight come down? So we've got a new series. We're going to do like at least a two-part series, maybe at most a two-part series. Um, but uh, this week we're going to talk about private spaceflight and just what, it, what are the ethical uh, issues with this. Next week we will talk about military spaceflight. We're going to talk about Space Force. Although I, I think if we got our timing a little better, we could do the episode after Space Force comes out, the new oh, TV show. Yeah, which comes I, out. I, we,
1: can, we can pull that off.
0: Yeah, can we? May 31st. So,
1: so let's let's talk about today, we will talk about space tourism, the new movie that is planned. <laughs> yeah. Next week, we'll look at the trade-off between uh, commercial space and scientific exploration from the ground. Mm-hmm. So... Issues like the Iridium satellites um, and otherwise abuse of space resources for economic purposes. And yeah. then we'll go to Space Force. Okay.
0: Now, we've done two episodes about space tourism, 214 and 451. So so we don't want to cover too much of that ground. But I think that the thing that that I found very interesting was just... Uh, you know the way you had proposed it which is like let's deal with the with the commercial and and the ethics of of this yeah. situation and um and we'll sort of see where that where that gets us so what in your mind are some of the you know i guess first let's just talk about like how do you define private space flight
1: When the purpose is the economic benefits of the parent company and its shareholders over the advancement of science and exploration causes that benefit mankind rather than stakeholders. And, I mean, like one version
0: of that could very well be space tourism, that you've got a space yes. tourism company that is, that is sending people on flights and they're having fun and going to the zero-G hotel and enjoying themselves or flying to the moon and, and, and prancing about on the moon in that low gravity. But that is really just a, a subset of of what private spaceflight could look like. So, so when you sort of think about that larger umbrella, what are some other examples of the kinds of missions that would be run privately?
1: Well, this is where we start looking at, and this is what triggered this for me, Um, Sending people to space to film adventure movies rather than to do the normal peacekeeping, educational, and scientific endeavors that take place on the space station. Even space tourists up until now have pretty much been tasked with, we're going to train you like an astronaut. You're going to do education stuff while you're up there, too. And, hey, we may throw you a bone and give you a little bit of science to do. Right. But... Right now, uh, Tom Cruise is looking to partner with SpaceX to partner with NASA, and this has been tweeted out by NASA Administrator uh, Jim Bridenstine. Yeah, they're going to film a not Mission Impossible, but certainly an impossible mission on the International Space Station.
0: How awful! and difficult yeah. that that process is going to going to be i mean right. i know that uh, i i think i had a chance to interview someone who took the like the the imax like the 70 millimeter imax cameras up onto the space station and tried right. to make a documentary they gave yeah. well, they gave the astronauts they taught them how to use these cameras and then they had to fly up with these with these cameras and try to shoot what they were doing while they were up there and then send the footage back down or it was on the space shuttle anyway it was tough because it's a great big bulky professional camera that shoots an enormous amount of film at this huge aspect ratio and it's a it's a real challenge and so same thing right do you send does does he do his own shooting do you send up another person who who does can handles camera sound hair makeup uh right do the astronauts get involved so uh, like just the details of this are are blowing my mind but but i think when you i mean when we look at just all of human existence today and we think about all of the trips that human beings take the vast majority of them are private right when you right. fly in an airplane you know 99.999% of the airplane flights are for private purposes you are on a trip, you are you are um, carrying cargo. You are doing this, and then every now and then, someone flies an airplane into a hurricane, or um, you know, t- take some aerial footage of a of a drought, and that's the scientific purpose. But the vast majority, and so why wouldn't it be that into the future?
1: This is where it starts to become a how do the numbers work out and what is the ethics of this kind of question. And in the frame of reference that I'm using for this is when I was a graduate student at McDonald Observatory, we'd periodically get VIPs coming through the telescope. And no matter what we were observing for science at that moment, we had to kind of put it on the back burner and yeah, we'd bang the keys that we needed to keep things more or less going in a timely fashion. Right. Um, but, but we had to pay attention to these guests who might be funders, who <laughs> right. might potentially help keep our science going one more year with the money they might give to the observatory. And this, this, okay, we are a not for profit enterprise. We exist, Thanks to the generosity of our donors, thanks to our competitiveness in peer-reviewed science funding opportunities, and thanks to our benefactors in the state government who give us line-item budgets, we, we know that we exist by the grace of all of these different humans, and so we have to dance like the dancing monkey when mm-hmm. they appear to keep them happy. That is part of the job that we are all aware of. And and astronauts are fully aware that that is also part of their job. They mm-hmm. are all given massive amounts of media training. They're given massive amounts of here are effective ways to communicate complex ideas, how to work a crowd, how to be this STEM educator, even though they may be by training a pilot, an engineer, a doctor, a uh, myriad of other different things a geophysicist. But they're all trained to be educators in their role of astronauts. And when they're on the International Space Station, they know part of their job is going to be on video cons with Girl Scouts mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. judge science fair from outer space to do all these different feel good tasks that remind everyone, hey, we have astronauts. So that the funding keeps flowing. Right. We know that's part of the job. But that's a few moments, a few hours out of your day. And what we're looking at here is filming a movie in outer space. We don't know how long Tom Cruise and whoever else might be on the International Space Station. But what we do know is while they're up there, they're... (sighs) It's a 24-hour gig in a mm-hmm. large way. And so now, instead of being there as STEM professionals benefiting mankind, inspiring, engaging, educating their crew on a movie, mm-hmm. that the movie's primary goal is to have a great storyline and earn a whole lot of profit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And so where where is the ethics in having our astronauts, instead of engaging people in ways that will educate them about space, having them work crew on a film?
0: Right, right. And I mean, I think, I mean, that is just the beginning. That's the tip of the right. ethical iceberg. Um, the We have to sort of think about the the risks involved with the... You know, it's one thing to uh, for a test pilot, professional astronaut who has been taking risks all their life, who is going to space for the betterment of all humankind to right. make incredible discoveries that will that will push our STEM and science and technology all ahead. And it's another thing for somebody to for them to take those risks, as you say, so that they can act as crew on a movie or for them to babysit a, um, you know, some uh, property magnate who is vomiting in their in their spacesuit. Um, You know, the other the of course, the other quite uh, public issue was this. this private space flight that was purchased by a Japanese businessman to fly around the moon on a space, on a SpaceX capsule. Now I'm not sure how far that mission has stalled or if it it's will
1: still scheduled. It's
0: still scheduled. Okay, yeah. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, again, we live in Musk. Starship.
1: Time. We don't know what its schedule Who knows? Is.
0: Yeah. Whether it'll be on a starship, whether it'll be on a Falcon Heavy, who knows whether it's going to fly. Are they going to be able to have a space, a, a capsule that's capable of doing it? It does, you know, you can sort of see some benefit like, like, SpaceX will need to make their crew Dragon capsule capable of handling someone for a week and a half on a on a long duration mission maybe. Yeah. So you can sort of imagine some benefits and so you get some willing test subject to to take that flight. But essentially you are looking at this at this bifurcation of of funding into something that is a distraction from the main purpose. And yet it is inevitable as i said airlines you know it's completely flipped around the other way nasa wants to fly some astronauts out to hawaii to, for a test fl- for a test mission they hop on a commercial flight and they fly out to hawaii right they don't
1: and and this is where context ethics ethics aren't black and white there's a whole lot of gray where context determines the right or wrong of a situation Uh, grabbing someone, squeezing them as hard as you can and hitting them in the back as hard as you can is generally considered to be something you shouldn't do. But if someone's choking on an almond, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. And, And so that's an extreme example. But when I look at SpaceX saying, we as a private corporation are going to fund from our private coffers. It's now muddier because SpaceX now has Artemis Mm -hmm. as part of its timeline with Starship. Um, When they say, we're going to fund out of our private coffers, this amazing art project to send under the leadership of this one artist who's already well known a group of people on a journey around the moon as proof of concept for our mission, everyone kind of goes, are you going to kill them? Please don't kill them. Okay. That at least we're all acknowledging it. But when a private corporation does that, it kind of falls into the same category as when Red Bull has someone jump from a huge altitude and parachute. It's the same thing as when a movie does special effects that risk the lives of everyone on the set for the sake of getting a good scene. These are private endeavors that have private insurance, and we're not risking the taxpayers' dollars the same way. Right. But I know Harvard University, a number of years ago, decided they weren't going to allow their campus to be used to shoot movies any longer because it was too much of a distraction to the education of the students. And with spacecraft, it's not just the distractions that you have at issue. It, It also is... When something goes terribly sideways, that something tends to be looked at poorly. Mm-hmm. We have seen this happen with Boeing with their 737 MAX. The entire Boeing fleet has seen decreases in orders prior to COVID coming in and post-COVID, nothing counts any longer. Um, and and that is simply due to the risk assessment now tied to Boeing. Well, Boeing had that go sideways. What else is going to break? With the space shuttle program, NASA made the decision not to allow space tourists on the space shuttle. Right. Full stop. Yeah. And part of that was informed by just how hard it was for everyone to recover from the loss of Krista McAuliffe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because that was a, that was a private, I guess that was a teacher who. Yeah.
1: Was what? not trained as an astronaut. There have since then been astronauts who were formerly teachers. She was a teacher who was kind of trained as an astronaut. Right, right, right. I mean, back,
0: back in the Apollo era, all of the astronauts were test pilots. And then, yeah. as they moved into the into the space shuttle era, then they would have the mission specialists who had. They didn't necessarily have the same kind of test pilot capability. Not not every one of them could yeah. could pilot, uh, you know, an F fifteen. But um, but they do have other special you know specializations and as you said some do include teacher but a lot of them they mostly you know include phd in about five different things as well as engineer um it's true <laughs> but but they are and that and so that is still a professional that is still someone who is yes. they that they have made the career change from from whatever it was they were doing before to professional astronaut with all of the risks that 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 implies and the understanding of that and the and all of the uh, you know, all of those requirements. And so mm-hmm. now we're moving to, and again, we, this is, I mean, this has already happened. I mean, there have been a half dozen people who have already flown to space, paid their $20 million, flown to the International Space Station, floated around. Some people that I really respect as well. Yeah. So
1: and And wh- there was one vague plan to film a music video in space. Lance Bass tried really right, hard. Right, right. He... He completed at the age of twenty three all of the u s and Russian certifications to be an astronaut um, tourist, not a full on astronaut but a tourist astronaut he just couldn 't raise the final tens of millions of dollars to make it into space to yeah to do his reality bit
0: yeah um, so so i mean we 're looking at the at the the risks. Um, do you see this, though, as sort of the beginning of an inevitable conversion from, from a – very much a, a public scientific endeavor to some kind of public-private sort of crossing where – I mean, it happens in so many other other fields. You sort of see this privatization of – the International Space Station, privatization of parts of NASA—is this—is this where we're going?
1: I don't know, and and I'm really torn on this part. There is a long history of uh, various movies negotiating to film on Navy airplane carriers. There have been bases opened up for filming. And in every case, there's been a very careful accounting of what is necessary to keep everyone safe and to make sure that the military doesn't lose funding in the process. You're going to pay your own costs. Mm -hmm. And so that combination of long-term, this has been happening since the earliest days of Hollywood, gearing up towards today, they know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Space is a slightly different category but we don't know how different. We're at a weird transitionary point.
0: But I mean I mean it's not just I mean you're you're really fixated on movies, but yeah. but I mean like they have portions they've got a new segment they're adding to the International Space Station that's probably going to be a commercial Operation that you can rent out space on that module and use it for commercial operations. There are racks that are attached on the exterior of the space station that people can go and get their experiments installed onto the International Space Station. So you can just pay, and you can imagine that you send up your specialist. Your specialist goes up. You know, you work for some company, you're doing yeah. protein folding, you send one of your biologists up. To the International Space Station to watch over the experiment while you carry out your protein folding, and then the person comes back down. And same thing, not a trained astronaut, not a career astronaut, but they need to be there to watch these proteins fold in whatever way is, is necessary. And again, as as if the space station needs more money, more and more of it gets converted over to these commercial
1: aspects. And and this is where the budgeting of how do it really matters. Uh, NASA and uh, Roscosmos and JAXA and all the partners in the International Space Station have put a lot of effort into figuring out, okay, so what does it actually cost to have our scientists on the ISS, by which I mean the astronauts trained as scientists and engineers, run the experiments and have this as a commercial R&D platform. And they've figured that out so that they can do the commercial R&D without craziness occurring. Now, so far, the choice has always been, let's train the astronauts who are actual astronauts to run those experiments, unless there happens to be a space tourist that we're just going to decide we trust. Mm -hmm. And they've paid amounts of money. Companies so far have decided that they don't really like the risk assessment of sending their own people into space just to run a rack of labs. And so training astronauts is something that is just how it's been done. And here, I think it falls into the category of this is what astronauts are trained to do. This is what they've chosen to risk their life about. They're trying to figure out what research and development can space be used for. Where it, again, gets trickier is when you're asking them to risk their lives for something that doesn't fall into that research and development and STEM category. And I don't know all the answers here. I'm just going to flat out say I don't know all the answers. I simply know where we need to start looking for the questions. We need to start looking at what actually fits in somebody's job description.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that... I mean, if we just assume that space flight will continue on the the growth curve that it already has, that prices will come down, that Mm -hmm. more and more people will go into space. As the prices come down, what gets done in space will change as now different businesses are actually accessible to, you know, can use space and can afford various things in space. Then it's going to be more and more, and so it will eventually look like you know, two hundred years from now, space flight will will be as regular as airline travel is today, and 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 we don't have these ethical questions anymore. about what is airline flights that are done for space, and what are airline flights that are done for for commercial purposes? And somehow we will get there from here. It's just it's this- we will have to face each one of these ethical challenges like they did. With air travel in the first place.
1: And at a certain point, it also comes down to this is going to sound terrible, but it comes down to how do you figure out the pricing of things? Because if we do the accounting and realize that all these folks at NASA who otherwise would have been spending their time dedicated to reviewing grant proposals, to making sure that the pace of science continues on, that our missions continue on, going up on the hill, fighting for uh, funding for this mission or that with Congress. All of these people have full-time jobs that are at the administrative level, so they don't have to necessarily account for their hours on this program or that. If these humans are instead spending all of their time on the phone to Hollywood, Mm That can get lost in the accounting, but it has an effect that reverberates throughout the entirety of NASA. Mm -hmm. Now, when our communications people start being asked to start showcasing this commercial private partnership with a space company that is getting funded through NASA, that's like, okay, so, so you're not sharing science, you're promoting SpaceX with your announcement of the Artemis mission. Well, that still is advancing the Artemis mission. When Andy Weir's, um, The Martian book came out and when the movie came out, there, there was a lot of NASA engagement in the movie, making sure the movie was done right. And this included training folks like me, what the NASA messaging was. Yes. Yes. And here I start to have trouble with, I have to budget the time I spent getting that training against my grant to do citizen science. So essentially that movie, which I adore, mm-hmm. was a tax on my grant funding because I had to sit through training on how to communicate the right Timelines.
0: Right, um, and you and, and you know, when you think about say, the overall cost of the International Space Station to the right. American taxpayer, well, to the international taxpayer, you know, there's there's some we we bought some arms for that place um, that you know let's say it's in the hundreds of billions of dollars. How do you justify a twenty million dollar flight to the international space station when, you know, the true costs involved are, are far greater on a per person basis. It's not, you can't make your money back. Right. And it's, you know, it's sort of that, again, it's that same idea about, you know, do you, you rent out an, an hour of time on the flight deck of the, of one of the United States supercarriers. super carriers. Like what are those costs per hour?
1: Yeah. Right. Those, they know what they cost. Well, maybe per they do, hour, but I,
0: but, but do they, I mean, if, you know, if they have to clear yeah, off the flight deck actually- and, and, and have a bunch of top gun, uh, you know, scenes filmed with people walking around on the flight deck, you know, are they paying the tens of millions of dollars per hour to cost to, to keep that flight deck clear? Maybe they are. Maybe that's what you're saying. So, so it's, it's a very challenging, you know, as we make this shift and this is, I mean, this yeah. is a conversation, this is, it's called privatization. It has been, yeah. it has been argued about, wrestled with. It is a challenging ethical issue every single time it happens. How do you turn a public institution into a private institution? Yeah. Should you? Um, what are the? What is the damage to the public institutions in the long term? And yet, in many cases, technology moves ever forward, and these things are
1: inevitable. And and this is where being at a turning point makes everything more difficult. When the movie Top Gun came out when we were, I think, late elementary school, middle school, a million years ago, same actor involved. Um, When the movie Top Gun came out, the Navy saw a recruitment increase with a decrease in their own having to do promotion like nothing they could ever have imagined That has continued on. So that movie turned out to be one heck of an amazing recruiting tool. So the question is, what is the gamble that NASA is now making with allowing yeah. Bigelow to have advertisements, to allow Tom Cruise to film a new movie, to allow commercial engagements where you know the company is sure making out. Yeah. But what is the return? What is the return mm-hmm. on investment of time and, for and NASA?
0: And I think that you and a lot of your STEM colleagues feel this sad, uh, nervousness at the lack of interest in STEM and going into these fields. And so isn't that inspiring? Aren't, aren't these kinds of activities inspiring for the next generation of scientists and engineers and technology people? So, um, we have no answers today. We just have a series of ethical dilemmas that we will just keep throwing at you until your head explodes. Pamela, but
1: now, you know. now, 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 you, now, you know, Now you know, Now you
0: know, and I think we will continue this conversation uh, in other directions next week. Pamela, do you have some names for us this week?
1: I do. As always, we here at Astronomy Cast are here only because of you guys. You let us pay our staff a fair wage to produce all of our episodes and keep things going behind the scenes. And I can't tell you how grateful we are that you do this so that we don't have to do all of that. We love our humans. Thank you. Um, And this week, we would like to give a special thanks to Matthew Horstman, Jessica Feltz, Dustin Roth, Marco Arasi, Brian Kilby, Jay Alex Alexanderson, Brian Letts, Michelle Cullen, Mark Joe Wilkinson, Jeremy Kerwin, Tim Garish, William Lauer, Mark Stephen Raznak, Jack, Omar Del Riviero, and Neuter Dude.
0: Thank you, everybody. Thank you. And thank you, Pamela. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You are listening to the 365 Days of Astronomy podcast. The 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is produced by the Planetary Science Institute. Audio post production by Richard Drum. Bandwidth donated by Libsyn.com and Wizard Media. You may reproduce and distribute this audio for non-commercial purposes. This show is made possible thanks to the generous donations of people like you. Please consider supporting our show on Patreon.com forward slash 365 Days of Astronomy and get access to bonus content. After ten years, the. 365 Days of Astronomy podcast is entering its second decade of sharing important milestones in space exploration and astronomy discoveries. Join us and share your story. Until tomorrow, goodbye.